0: You're listening
1: to Art of the Float. Welcome to Art of the Float, where float centers thrive. This is our weekly podcast that tells our stories of running our float centers, where we give tips on starting and running our own float centers, uh, sharing all of our terrible, terrible mistakes, and uh, hopefully giving you some answers that uh, help you step ahead of our learning curve. You can find us on Facebook at Art of the Float, on Twitter and Instagram at Artful, uh, excuse me, at Art of the Float. And we love it when you join the conversation by leaving a speak pipe on artofthefloat.com. You can visit the site to find show notes, links, pictures to anything we talk about, all that good stuff. And as always, I am joined by my lovely, lovely hosts. I've got Amy Grimes here from Float Nashville.
2: Hello, y'all.
1: I have Lance Foss of Red Deer Canada's Float Shack. Hello,
3: everyone. <laughs> Woo-hoo.
1: Ah, we're back. And I think we're still, are you guys fully recovered from the float conference? Or are you guys still feeling it?
2: I'm definitely still feeling it. Still a little hungover, I think. <laughs> it was good. It's worth it. Worth every single That's moment. Funny.
1: Yeah, right. How about yeah. you, Lance? I,
3: I think I'm okay. I, I think <laughs> I uh, I'm over the float float conference blues.
1: Oh yeah. I yeah. I, I just keep finding myself like trying to catch up on emails because we we did you know we we try not to work on the weekends and so this was a three day weekend. So today I was like, oh my god, there's just
3: Oh, yeah, I have so a couple of
1: those. Emails. <laughs> <laughs> emails, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just a few, just a handful. Mm. Easy peasy. a
2: stack, right? Right. That's a stack.
1: Card. Thank God it's, all it's digital because that'd take up a lot of space. Uh, before we get into how our weeks are going and all that stuff, uh, or further into that, I want to make a correction from last week's show. Uh, we talked about Flotation Therapy Weekly, this really cool um, news aggregator site Uh I gave the wrong name. I think I said Nicole. It's actually put out by Beth Jones. Uh, She's the one who made this really cool page and, And if you're looking for anything to put up on Facebook about floating, any science-related research stuff, uh, go to that. But also, you can go, you know, I want um, float pictures. You can click on uh, a tab for that, and that's what it'll pull from the internet for you. And it's constantly updating. So pretty cool. Uh, I I dig it quite a bit, and I encourage you guys to check it out. Of course, we'll we'll put up uh, a link to that in the show notes again this week. (sighs) Let's see here. Speaking of this week, how's it going? Lance, how about yourself? Uh,
3: Things are pretty good. I'm good. Things are (laughs) moving along, floating. Keep
1: keep Keeping on floating? I saw you had an ad out this week, and I was kind of surprised. When I first saw it, I saw a massage, and I went, oh my God, Lance is doing massage, and he kept a secret from me. But then uh, I realized you were partnering with another business. You want to talk, yeah, talk about so,
3: that? Yeah, most certainly. So there's a local business we partnered up here in town called Black Rock Therapies. And I know I know the owner Dwayne, he's uh he's actually a listener of the show. He's a fan of the podcast. So what? um show it to show it to Dwayne. <laughs> and <laughs> uh, Hi, <Duane>. but yeah, <laughs> yeah, we partnered with uh, Black Rock Therapies and the whole point of this this marketing campaign was to really direct at least 75 new customers to each business. That's what we got for printed to cards. I don't know if we'll actually get that much, but Mm. how the campaign works is you can buy three floats um, anytime during the month of September, October from the float shack. And each time you buy a float, you get a card. You have to collect three cards to claim a free massage. So if they buy those three floats at once in a package or they come and float three separate times, um, they're eligible for that free massage. And BlackRock is doing the same thing for us. So if you do three massages in the two months, um, you collect a card from each massage and you claim it for a free float at the Float Shack. Nice. So it's been really, really fun for us. It's been awesome to engage with another business and their, their clients and, and switch that back and forth. But, yeah, I'm really looking forward to how this goes. So.
1: That's great. That's a pretty novel approach to it. That That's really cool. Like kind of risking giving out a free either float or massage. But with it, knowing that there's a trade going on between you two of, of customers, it's pretty cool.
3: And you have someone that's that's visiting us at least three times. So the chances are they're going to be a return customer. And mm-hmm. hopefully if they're visiting us three times, they'll be able to incorporate massage into part of their practice as well.
1: Nice. It's almost like saying, here, have the best of our customer base, somebody who's, you know, regularly taking care of themselves. That's cool.
3: Pretty much. That's what we're going for. You know, not just sending any client and, over. they sending people who really want to help themselves recover, you know, have a fresh start at things. So, I
1: love it. Well, that segues, uh, I know we're not jumping there right now, but really well to our marketing discussion that we're, uh, I mean, that's the main, uh, gist of today's episode. We're going to be playing the industry roundtable discussion or at least the first half of it today. So, um, that fits quite nicely in with that discussion topic. Is, is there any concern about, um, yeah, let's see here. Lots of massages being redeemed because maybe you have a lot of passionate floaters and they're redeeming those, but maybe he doesn't have as many clientele for massage, uh, any, any Concerns about balancing?
3: Well, I I'm not entirely sure that the balancing thing. While well, we hope that they're getting as many new customers as they can, so they mm-hmm. opened in the spring of this year, um, they're doing really good. They're making a huge impact in the city. They're definitely their names are trickling through, but you spend a lot of money getting that first client. Like I said, it costs six mm-hmm. times as much to. Get uh, a new client, than have somebody you already have. So if we are referring a client to check out their business for free, that takes a lot of the marketing costs and and work out of it and through a referral. Uh, Nice. It may not be up everyone's alley, but I know our referral program, when we get people referred to us, they're usually people that keep returning back. Mm -hmm. They're not just people that float once and and go. Some of them are, but um, referrals are awesome. Completely awesome.
1: this feels different than like somebody coming in with a Groupon and wanting to just snag a deal and they're going to peace out. You've you've kind of already filtered out that type of person because mm-hmm. it takes a certain amount of commitment to to keep coming back to either that's, modality.
3: That's one thing our massage campaign is is, you know, filtering that out and bringing this certain type of people, but we've also as I mentioned last week, we we're running a wounded warriors campaign and that's with those coupon books and that's sort of um, we're having a hard time converting those people into one of our our promos or our float packages because they are the quote unquote group on style people that mm-hmm. come, take their free float, and you know don't really want to put a value to the service. So we're learning lots with that as well. It's we got two interesting marketing campaigns going on right now, but both of them are doing us quite well for the the little time we've ran them so far.
1: And is there any kind of timeline for it? Or is it?
3: um the the massage combo is only september october and the float or massage can be redeemed until the end of the year
1: oh nice cool
3: and then the wounded warriors the wounded warriors campaign that's going on for one year so those those coupons are valid till july next year
1: i believe interesting and are you seeing a lot of them come in
3: oh yeah (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah like like i said we're only accepting those tuesday wednesday thursday friday from 9 a.m to 3 p.m and for us here in red deer like we're only a hundred thousand people in our city we definitely feel um, the weekdays especially in the mornings um, they're a bit slower for us you know people need babysitters they're working they're, you know, there's a lot going on during the week so we're able to fill up those spots with these wounded warrior floats and um, a lot of people that are buying these these coupon books, um, are people that are supporting because they know someone who's been a veteran, know someone who's suffering from PTSD. And a lot of these people have never heard of the float Shack. So we're able to get these people that have never heard from us, get them into our center, get them into for the float and get them educated on what we're doing so they can, you know, spread the word for us. So it's, we're definitely feeling the ripple from that. And, um, the massage is, is great as well. We're getting tons of inquiries from there. So,
1: um, Back to the the massage part. I mean, it's all, it's all so cool. And there's a lot, a lot to talk about, but as far as yeah. the, the massage trade goes, just because so many people listening here want to start their own campaigns and or, or do do better networking with the, with the community? How did it come up to, to pair up with these guys and how did it come up to do this kind of trade, which sounds pretty creative to me.
3: Um, well, Dwayne, the owner of BlackRock Therapies, he, well, he started floating with us and he quickly incorporated as part of his practice and he was floating nice. quite a bit. And, um, there, he hired a marketing gentleman who that's pretty much what he does. His name's Phil and he goes around, he networks and markets and goes to uh, meetings. Um, you may have heard of it called BNI business networking international. Um, it was brought up in the round table discussion, um, but yeah, it's a it's a, a group where you network with other businesses and run promos and campaigns and really help each other out. But we're not in B&I, but we seem to be fans within B&I. Like a lot of companies in that group like the Float Shack. So nice, Phil reached nice. out to us and wanted to know if we can get together and do this promo to help stimulate each of our businesses. So it was probably two months in the planning before he launched it. But yeah, it's just reaching out to other businesses and seeing who's... Really wants to work with you. Who you think cool. can benefit you, but your business, and they can benefit. Nice. Blah. Yeah, you know I what get I meant. You, <laughs> you can each yeah. benefit each other. It's
1: reciprocal. So, and And um, I, I was actually glad to hear that it didn't like happen at the front desk where he was like, "Man, I love this," and you were like, "Yeah, well, I love massage," and it started out like that because I'm in the shop so rarely these days. I feel like I do miss out from certain opportunities that just those those random spontaneous spont Oh boy. Uh, those <laughs> you random too, things, eh? that happen, those <laughs> things that happen, those things that happen, uh, just that's, while you're that's
2: in That's when shop. you train, yeah, that's when you train your front desk to, uh, hmm. to pick up on that. We're working on that with our, with our staff right now on, you know, if you find someone, you have a conversation, what are some things that you should be listening for? You know, find opportunities, hmm. pass them along. Don't be afraid to, uh, to mention those things to us and to, and to hmm. follow up on them. Cool. So, your staff can be your ally if you're not there all the time
1: okay that's 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 good well amy uh, oh sorry Lance.
3: no i was gonna ask i'm assuming the same thing you're gonna ask
1: amy <laughs> how was your week did you get your washer fixed <laughs> are you still doing the yeah. coin
2: up <laughs> no 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 uh, today we got our washer fixed so but we just are today. so you went just today to we did, but, you know, it wasn't bad because it was just a washer, so we go out and wash and bring it back and dry throughout the day. Um, so it wasn't horrible, uh, and it did force us to revisit uh, should we outsource laundry. You know, it gave us an opportunity mm. to run some numbers. Mm-hmm. So, you know, overall, you know, you always take away something you learn from each opportunity, including doing a lot of laundry. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, so it was it was good. I wanted to go back real quick. One thing I noticed with Lance, um, you know, he's talking about how he's working with this massage therapist. As a massage therapist, I get excited about things like this uh, because when we work with people, you know, unlike floating, massages is very one-on-one and you build a relationship with your massage therapist. And one thing that really good campaigns have in common is uh, the referrals, like referral campaigns come from a trusted source. And I know that as we build relationships with massage therapists, which I do quite a bit since I since I teach massage therapists, um, the people who hear about us from their massage therapists, uh, it's amazing how many of those actually act on that referral. Mm. So that's kind of exciting. He's working with people who are developing one-on-one relationships. And when they hear from their trusted massage therapist mm-hmm. about floating, uh, that um, – I think that's going to be a successful successful campaign. In uh, this last week, we did a quick not a quick, it was it was a quick sale. I I hesitate to call it a sale, but one of our uh, one of our front desk people, one of our uh, split specialists, was affected by the storms that went through Louisiana, and we did a very quick stuff the trucks sale. Where in exchange for bringing something that she could take, she was taking a large truck down to Louisiana with supplies for. Uh, the community where she's from um we did that if they brought some stuff for the truck in they got a a float at a lesser cost Hmm. and we only did it for three days and we kind of threw it last minute Mm -hmm. but one thing about nashville is we got a lot of uh people coming from the hurricane many years ago and we have quite a strong louisiana community Um, within nashville oh wow so when i started posting about this sale what i found to be interesting is that 40 percent of the people that we saw during the sale were actually new clients and basically the community was passing out this information and it's a very tight community uh because they all share that pretty traumatic experience and um it's too soon to see if they'll come back, but uh, I, th- I found it very interesting. I don't think we've ever had uh, something like this that we thrown together so quickly where we've had such a new such a large group of new clients uh, come on out to see what floating was about. So it was a very huh. cool response cool opportunity to share and to educate. Um but once again, it came from our trusted uh, trusted source. And um, I think that has I think that's the uh, key to any mm. good system sale, referral, that right. sort of thing. Cool. So it'll be interesting as we go through the year to see how Lance does and um, how this pans out for him.
1: Yeah. This is good stuff. This is fun. That's it's one of the fun things about doing this show is like sometimes it's just hey, we're we're throwing stuff against the wall just like everybody else. And I guess the main difference is everybody gets to hear about whether it was successful or not.
2: Or <laughs> not, yeah. Like, exactly.
1: Yeah. But at least the takeaways that we get from it. I mean, that's the biggest thing of all is that it took us, it took Sandra and I a long time to – and I'm sure it's, we're not like 100% on this or anything, but that mistakes truly are learning opportunities. Uh, you're, you're supposed to make mistakes, and a failure isn't um, a negative thing. It doesn't have to be something that you get depressed or down about because there's so much data and information to glean from these quote-unquote mistakes and failures. So it's all it's all good.
3: As I call all them, lessons.
1: Lessons. Lessons.
2: Information <laughs> leads to refinement, leads to success later on. And sometimes it takes a few failures, but we're getting there slowly but surely.
1: Yeah, I think we all are. Um, let's see here. Lance, you know, I don't know if you want to talk about it this week or not. I, re- I remember last week uh, off the air, you had mentioned your filter baskets and I think you were concerned about people using them incorrectly, and I, I might be one of those people's. Do yeah. you want to correct that at all? or I mean, not correct yeah. anything you said, but...
3: No, no, I sort of want to, because I feel like I haven't really seen these nets pop up much until I started talking about them on air, and now mm-hmm. I see them popping up all sorts of places, and I feel bad if I did reword myself, but um there is some damages that can occur if you put these nets on incorrectly. And I have not seen it happen. I just know how the system works and what goes on that there is potential for that net to be caught in the basket. Sorry. There is potential for that net to be caught in the pump if you have it on the outside of the basket. So let me rewind this to refresh some people on what I'm talking about. So Please do. With a lot of these filtration systems, you have your your inlet side of your water that goes into your pump. And before your pump, there will be a hair basket. Sometimes there's a clear lid. Inside, there's a, a plastic basket. Now, what we started doing about a year ago was we would take out that basket and we would put a filter sock inside of the basket and we would zip tie it down. Um, when it's inside the basket, once you put it in, if that filter bag rips or tears or get loose or anything like that it's going to be caught in the basket so it will not be sucked into your pump if you put it on the outside of your basket and it starts to tear for some reason or it starts to come loose and that sock or that net gets sucked over your impeller that is going to completely suck the whole thing out you'll blow your fluid end and it won't be anything friendly. And you'll get mad at me because <laughs> <laughs> I told you to do it. So if you're going to do it, make sure you put your net inside of the basket. Um, we use a zip tie to strap it to the basket. So it sort of, um, tucks down to the bottom and it's, it contours the basket a lot better. Um, what we've recently started doing, um, From Jeff Sealer. I think that's how you say his last name. He is from Float House, I believe, South Surrey. I may be wrong. Sorry, Jeff. But I was speaking to him at at the conference, and he mentioned taking toilet brush cleaners, brand new ones. Don't use your old toilet (laughs) brush for this. Get a new toilet brush. Mm -hmm. I just went to the dollar store and found one that you could unscrew the handle. I put my net inside of my basket, and I take this brush end... And put it inside of the basket so um, we ran this for a week now and matthew pulled apart the, the baskets last night and he said that that brush end does a wonderful job at collecting all the hair so normally the hair just goes inside of the net and sort of swirls around and balls up but since this is all bristly um, the hairs catch on the bristles and you just take a hot, hot wo- hose or hose end and just clean that off in the sink, sanitize it, and you can put it back in. So shout-outs to Jeff for that one.
2: With something so big, have you noticed, has it affected your flow rate? I was
1: just going to ask the same thing.
3: Um, I believe that that will not affect flow rate. Uh, That basket is, I would say, 10 to 12 times larger than your inch-and-a-half inlet to your pump. So in order for you to restrict that flow rate, you would have to have – quite the restriction in there um the size of the uh the brush end that we have is maybe a tenth of the size of the basket so um, there is no restrictions caused there Um, and you do not want restrictions on your inlet side so
2: definitely not
3: um, i have a very very clear understanding on how i would say pneumatic systems work pneumatic and hydraulic systems work with um how systems flow and how they operate. And um, if this was a hydraulic system, I don't believe there would be any restrictions in that basket. Right. So, But well, again, for the,
1: the pro tip
3: nets on the, oh, on the inside. Oh, it's honestly done wonders for us. These nets, when we started putting them in, we wouldn't be pulling hair out of our filters. There'd be the odd hair we'd be pulling over our filters. But now it's all caught in that net, it's all caught in that basket. So we just change those socks every week, clean it, sanitize it up, put a new sock in and still clean our filters and change our filters. But um, a lot of the hard picking that we had to do at the filters has been mitigated simply by putting these nets in the hair baskets.
1: And I think they, they sell like specific ones for pools, but really it's just, you use nylon stockings, right? They're just cheaper that way.
3: I've used the filter, the actual filter basket ones for about eight months They're they're ridiculous. They're not expensive either, but I've recently oh, okay. tried the nylons. I've recently tried uh-huh. the nylons, and they seem to tear um, oh. a lot quicker. That's what really gave me the uh, the red flag when I was like, "Oh, people are using these nylons, and they tear so easily." I was like, "If they have these on the outside of their basket, that's that's <laughs> trouble." Uh-huh. Right, so, right.
1: Well, um, um, let's add this to our recommended products uh, page. So, uh, not not the nylons themselves, but the the official ones. And uh, let me know off the air where you get those from and we'll compare it to Amazon prices and uh, put that up there. Speaking of which, I want to thank Greg Griffin. I forgot about this. He just mentioned us, and that he has bookmarked our Amazon page. So any purchases he does, he you know he clicks his bookmark, and that automatically sends a few ducats our way, which is awesome. Thank you, Greg Griffin, and and I, I believe there are a few people out there who are who are doing that. I think maybe uh, I think James Harder might have mentioned that he does that as well from Float Harder. So thank you guys who are supporting us that way. If you do go to Art of the Float. Dot com and go to the recommended products page um you can click on bookmark this page and anytime you visit amazon whether you're buying uh stuff for your float center or not uh it can it doesn't cost you anything extra but you can be supporting us our show and uh, improving the quality of our recordings and everything so we genuinely appreciate that i know that was a bit of an odd <laughs> segue from from your story but hey when it's there right um but anywho oh by the way uh, I had an interesting week. Uh, I uh, we, we started noticing uh, a leak out of our floatarium, um, which, whew, boy, our floatarium, I think it's a 1993 float tank. It's starting to feel like a fossil at, at the float shop. It's starting to feel pretty long in the tooth. And, you know, we got the new float away tranquility tank coming in here, which we're so excited about. Um, and, oh, by the way, so that, <laughs> I guess I'm all over the place here. We finally have a solid date or solid-ish date, which is just that it should be arriving at the end of the month. There's this, been this big issue with um, customs and getting it uh, across the ocean and into the US, and it's just been this super frustrating thing. Uh, but it uh, it's finally coming through here. I'm really excited about it. Uh, but then it only makes our Floatarium float tank look that much older. And now that the thing is springing leaks, so here's the thing. You can't have a shut-off valve at the very at the point of entry of your float tank so it is possible to have a leak spring that you can't shut off and so that's exactly what happened to us which is technically i mean that's one of my worst nightmares is you know you've got the the inlet and the outlet hoses that that come out and they're they're flex tube Uh, if anybody owns an isopod it's going to be the same uh, same style except this is like you know a 1993 version of flex tubing and I think the mistake that I made is that I, I pinched it too, uh, too aggressively, like, did too much of a 90-degree angle to it when it should be uh, sitting loosely. Now, mind you, um, also, I think that the fact that it's so old has, has also just – it's aged. But it, it, the leak is at the point of where it's uh, the most cranked at, like, that 90-degree angle. So when the pump is off, it's not leaking. It's only when it's on, and it psh, just – just sprays. Um, so that's actually good news as far as leaks go. <laughs> that, I mean, if you're going to have one in the most dreaded location of all, it's nice that it's not leaking when the pump is off. So that was cool. Um, wasn't really sure how, how to do that. I, I made quite a few phone calls, and uh, just based on the time that it occurred at, what I ended up doing was picking up, um, gosh, what's it called? I, I think it's just repair silicone tape. And, uh, Um, I I know you can get it on Amazon I got mine from Ace Hardware down the street because I just needed it ASAP but basically it just as adheres to itself and and um, you just wrap it it's kind of like tape or electrical tape you know you just uh, wrap it up 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 and then you wrap it down 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 and then you keep going up and down and up and down and the whole time you're pulling on it as hard well not as hard as you can because it'll break but you're stretching it and that uh, increases how how tightly it's gripping on. I also uh, bought a couple brackets for either end to tighten it down, just to be safe. And it does not work completely; uh, it is still dripping. So we have a little pan underneath catching the water uh, for now, and then at some point we'll drain the tank, uh, put in—I forget what it's called—but this basically inserts inside of either side of the tube. Um, you know, we cut out where the leak is, and we'll we'll caulk, uh seal it together. So. We'll get there. I've, I'm learning my lessons and uh, still building the new filtration system. The parts are starting to show up. So Flotarium will have uh, UV and um, let's see, it already has the inline heater, which we did upgrade that to a, a digital heater. Uh, so it's just a little bit easier to set the temperature and it'll all be on a nice tray and all the water, any... any um, drippage or anything like that will will drop into the tray, but um, it'll look very similar to our infinity float tank, which is has a really nice filtration system, and it's also very quiet. So I'm excited about that. Whew. Anywho, so yeah, that was really stressful. By the way, of of all things, <laughs> uh, leaks leaks are a stressful one, and uh, it, it's one getting thing easier, ba- but oh man.
3: One thing about those sharp nineties in your systems your filtration systems Mm -hmm. if you have a sharp 90 like that you will create cavitation um, in your water so you'll that's some of those air bubbles that some people may see when they're turning on your um, filtration system you see those tiny tiny micro bubbles that look you make your water look cloudy Um, if you have sharp 90s or sharp turns in your systems that will cause that to happen what happens is the the fluid is running so fast past that ninety degree that right up in the corner it creates an air pocket, and as your fluid um, passes over that that air pocket it um, picks up some of that air, and that could make your wadi cloudy your water cloudy after you shut your filter off. And, Just and
1: yeah, that that's something that I've I've heard from day one is don't do ninety degree angles or do as few ninety degree angles as possible. Cause also I believe that can affect your flow rate as well. Cause it's, it's getting jammed every, you know, a couple of inches with 90 degree angles. It's going to slow it Certainly. down. Certainly. Um, would, would we, definitely explain why our flotarium is bubbly after we run the pump, though.
3: We've moved away from a lot of um, hard piping as well, because the hard piping or rigid PVC piping mm-hmm. in your system um, that holds a lot of vibration, which holds a lot of sound. So when we've moved out to the more flexible style hoses, that cuts down on sound drastically, so and vibration.
1: That's, interesting i want to i want to talk to oh maybe we should get a plumber on the show for god's sake that makes a lot of sense because i've i've also heard that for plumbing you don't want a lot of flexible hosing you want rigid pvc piping we're not um, running so a I'd ton
3: like of to... a ton of plumbing with our system you know our right, system you got point. you got a few feet you're if you're getting a plumber in yeah <laughs> that's someone who's dealing with t- totally different systems than we are you know a pool no you wouldn't want that to pool but maybe in our system we maybe have six feet of of plumbing that's funny maybe 10
1: you know. Yet i still have like 12 90 degree angles in my filtration system <laughs> i'm just kidding, and I'm so, just kidding. sometimes <laughs>
3: it's easier to go to the start dylan cut it and put a whole new hose in then put a new joint because every time you have mm-hmm. a joint in your system that's another potential for a leak sure yeah so i know when when i'm dealing with equipment on the mechanic side you know multi-million dollar equipment where you have million dollar jobs on the go any spot like that is a potential for a leak that could shut down that job so it's very important mm-hmm. to like eliminate any chance of a leak so, and it. you can you can put valves anywhere you want in your system um, if you do i would on inlet side i would recommend gate valves not um not any valves that turn with a gate valve you can open it all the way and you will not restrict any flow some of like the 90 degree valves or the needle valves those will restrict flow
1: Hmm, interesting i didn't know we have
3: we have valves everywhere in our system we can isolate any part of our (laughs) system and yeah
1: that's cool i dig it um you know something else as long as we're talking about plumbing is that uh i believe a lot of the plumbing piping that we're using with our filtration systems aren't designed for the heat that our our uh, uh, float tanks run at, and I think in general, and I mean, don't uh, don't quote me on this stuff here because it's it's kind of just on the top of my head, but I believe the white PVC piping that we're using is meant for lower temperature, and if you if you look it up, it's um, yeah, it's just meant for lower temperatures, and so it's the black uh, PVC piping that's going to be designed for higher temperatures, and so. Um, just something worth noting or looking into when you're buying your plumbing is making sure what range of temperature your PVC piping is, is meant for. If, if you're, you know, designing your own filtration system, which I think most people probably aren't doing these days when they're, when they're buying their float tanks, they they come with a filtration system. And if you are putting your own,
3: if you're like Dylan and myself, and I think Amy and Mark over there too, um, if you're putting Mm -hmm. your plumbing systems together, don't forget to use primer, use the primer and use the glue. Just saying. A lot of people forget that primer part, but that's a very, very important step.
1: Good call. Oh, one other random thing is our isopod. Uh, The the newer float tank that we have downstairs is um, during the float conference, I believe the pump turned on twice uh, while people were in there. And it's been the alert button is going off in the lobby so you don't hear it while you're in the float tank but it's as if somebody's pushing the alert button in the float tank and it's it's notifying the lobby that somebody needs assistance and it's happening more and more frequently so i i emailed out to isopod to see what's going on i haven't heard back quite yet but um i'm I'm curious if anybody else is experiencing that i'll after the show i'll i'll put a post on float (laughs) facilitators because i'm that's not good. If somebody's having an issue, we need to know, you know, we don't want to just be barging in on people's floats. So, ah, just, just little, little things, little things are happening. But, uh, overall, I'm just excited to replace that flotarium filtration system with something mm, just dialed in. That'll be nice. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to play. Oh, is there anything else? Anybody else wanted to share before we, before we move on here? Okay. Well, I want to give a shout out to Float Away, of course. Uh, Float Away, Colin and Ginny are selling me their uh, a brand new Float Away Tranquility float tank. With uh, I'm excited to turn the lights on and off from inside the float tank for outside of the float tank. I'm excited about the stars that are going to be in the ceiling of the float tank, which is, um, as I've said before, something I have absolutely no interest in, but I'm also... A business person, and I understand that a lot of other people really enjoy that. so it's cool that Floataway um, is able to do the starlight feature on on their float tanks. If you're interested in anything that uh, Floataway makes, including the train, uh, tranquility float tank and float around float cabins, check out www.floataway.com to learn more. Uh, I want to play a speak pipe here from Dave Seafeld. Uh, if you want to play that, Brian.
4: Hello Art of the Float
1: Gang. This
4: is Dave Seafeld calling. I just
1: listened to your
4: excellent uh, FloatCon review veteran show. So it was really good. I appreciate uh, the shout-out to me. Love you guys, too. I just wanted to mention, though, that um, Graham and Catherine and Frank, all the folks over at FloatTankSolutions.com do have out their um, system for comparing tanks. Uh, comparison chart or they're more in card form and it's really a good uh, comparison they cover four tank models 17 float room models and five pod models 26 models in all um, and you can compare all kinds of things like price and features so the way you get to their uh, comparison chart is floatanksolutions.com forward slash tanks all uppercase can't wait for your next show (laughs) thanks again
1: thanks dave as always thanks so much and uh thanks dave for helping me with my filtration system too (laughs) i really appreciate it um so yeah guys i you know last week uh, we had another speak pipe calling in saying you know what what float tank do i buy and we basically said we don't know but we're working on it and that's a good solution for right now of just to start finding out what kind of float tanks are out there and what you might prefer um, check it out uh, float tank solutions what did he say forward slash uh, float tanks tank please. okay we'll put the link in the show notes anyway and um, uh, yeah pretty cool to just know that there's so many manufacturers out there my goodness and uh, something that we're working on doing is an annual float tank review so basically it'll be crowdsourced uh, everybody who owns a particular brand of float tank, can submit their review. And so not only will you understand the on-paper features of the different float tanks, but you'll actually be able to kind of get an an impression without floating in every, you know, all 17 different float tanks, an impression of customers' experiences in the float tanks and, of course, the people running the float tanks, what their experience is with with the tanks and with the manufacturers. So that'll be really valuable, in my opinion, going forward um, with, you know, spending quite a few ducats on, on a float tank. So, I mean, it's such an important investment for, for what you're doing. Uh, But let's see here. Uh, So for the rest of the show here, we're excited to play the roundtable discussion that Amy Lance and I hosted at the float conference. This was uh, the Friday. There were a bunch of really cool events going on. um, Some of which I really wanted to go to, but we were hosting this. So we got to just start recording every event on Friday so that we can, Totally hear everything that's going on, but uh, it was two hours long, so we're going to play the first hour of it tonight, and it's the industry roundtable discussion, but we really focused on marketing. Uh, it's what a lot of people wanted to talk about uh, based on votes we took uh, before uh, or online before we all got together, but also, I mean, man, once people started talking, it, it just kept kept going and going deeper and deeper, different ideas and concepts and different angles of marketing, and I thought it was incredibly valuable. I absolutely loved it. And um, yeah, so I think uh, that is what we'll play. Is there anything you guys wanted to add to that before we cut to the audio? Oh, I will say that it is uh, lightly edited. It's not perfect. It's not certainly not the quality that I like to think we hit uh, on a weekly basis here in the studio. But um, uh, you know, it is. It is a room full of I don't know seventy people, something like that. And so, thanks to everybody who was part of it. I really, really, truly appreciate it. So many really cool ideas, and I think you guys are going to really enjoy this. So, here we go. So, anybody who voted for marketing, what are the questions that you have for marketing that you want to learn today in the roundtable? Who voted here?
2: Biggest marketing challenge. Who's
1: got a marketing challenge? Nobody's got any marketing challenges. That's fantastic. <laughs> 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 that's awesome.
5: I have a question that's kind of maybe related to marketing, but it was about what is everybody's experience regarding their demographic? You know, different places might have different people floating. What type of people do you see?
2: That's a good one. I was going to say all our
3: demographics are similar, but somewhat different. Um, uh, that's going to be pretty much based on your geography and what's, what's around you. Like, I know the mountain towns, there's a lot more active people, a lot more outdoors people versus where we are. So um, that's a completely different demographic. A lot of people, um, athletes may use it more than somewhere that is um i don't know
6: i don't know what else yeah i kind of want to hear
5: the range of what people's experience in case there's a a demographic that i haven't heard of that are floating a lot in a particular area or something just to kind of open my mind as to who's floating
1: so i think um athletes are probably up there especially Mm -hmm. with the olympics going on i've seen a lot of internet memes going around with with that yeah. how about um, so PTSD I think is another big one it seems to be really big at this year's flow conference um, and, I, and I'd like to uh, see people's successes with that and how people have been targeting suffers of PTSD but uh, beyond that what are some other demos that people are targeting yeah
7: um, in one of my cities and this was a marketing group we didn't cater for or demographic excuse me um, was the blue collared workers so in one of our areas, we've got surrounded by mines and we get all these hardcore blue-collared workers walking through the door, trying to get all spiritual because they spend a lot of time in the truck listening to Joe Rogan.
5: That's a
1: particular demographic, right? The Joe <laughs> Rogan listening.
8: <laughs> the blue collar workers are probably a pretty hard note to crack though, just like veterans. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the same thing where they can benefit the most but getting through to them is, is really tricky. Like getting, getting, in, I'm and where like, there's a veterans workshop going on right now, it's like, hey, I was like, how do I go to that one? Do I not? Um, but and we haven't don't haven't worked with a lot of blue collar workers. But I think really working through that mindset that stresses, uh, sorry, that uh, relaxation is some kind of luxury, right? That this mm-hmm. is like. Something that women do—they go to the spa and they relax and shit. You know, so <laughs> there's that disconnect between understanding that yeah, this can actually help you with pain disorders and it can actually help you with uh, you know with physical injuries and the kind of things that you know blue um, collar workers and, and veterans deal with. It's, I found that it's a similar kind of mind. You know, that
9: you have to we work to we a point of not calling themselves a spa for that reason. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, that's yeah. funny, on the episode with Lindsay Fair, she was talking about she's a float club, specifically to get away from the, mm-hmm. the spa title, because it tends to be geared, geared towards women. That, that's interesting.
9: Not just women, but also luxury. Right, right. 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 We, want, we want people who are there because they need it, not because they think it's a treat. Mm-hmm. Depending on you want, a spa might be great. Right, uh, exactly. On Hollywood mm-hmm.
8: or Manhattan,
1: a yep. spa yeah. might be a phenomenal use exactly. Um, Speaking of Joe Rogan, stepping back a little bit here, um, for those of you who have been open for some time, how many people, what's the retention look like for Joe Rogan listeners? Uh, And I I ask that because I found that the Joe Rogan listeners aren't very consistently coming back. Does anybody else agree with that or disagree with that? Point that gun at yourself. On his yeah.
8: I kinda find the Joe Rogan people to be a problem because they come in with these huge expectations what mm-hmm. of of an experience. They think they're gonna come in and trip balls and right. disappointed and they don't come back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're uh, so see if anybody balls, comes to to Joe aliens. Rogan on their intake, they take them down a few levels and be like, alright, you go take a bunch of LSD and ketamine, you might have that experience no matter what you're doing. But <laughs> when you float, here's some of the things you might experience, none of which probably are gonna include any of that. So I, I almost like the- don't like it when Joe Rogan people come in. Like he's done so much to build the industry,
0: but there's
1: all this expectation. Well, I think, I think I don't know how agreed upon this is, but there tends to be that three float curve that, that tends to happen before people get the rhythm of floating. And uh, for some people it starts, their first float is just the bee's knees. And then the next one can be a little disappointing. And then the other way is the first one is disappointing because you have so much excitement and anticipation. Um, It's not till the second one. But then it's hard to come back to the second one if you didn't have a good experience, unless your your future wife drag you back in for that next blow. So
2: um,
1: does anybody agree with that or disagree? Does that seem, I see some heads nodding. Um, Does anybody have any any ideas on how to better speak with Joe Rogan listeners and, and up that retention level? Please.
7: Um, so as I was saying to um, a couple of the other guys out there before was like we have a, a couple of roles like a float facilitator and a customer connector and the customer c- connector's job is basically to dedicate time to speaking to the customers after a float, sitting down, talking to them and educating them on the benefits of regular floating. Um, you know, you can't expect to, to go to a gym once and come out fit and buff, mm. you work at it through repetition and that's no different from anything else in life um so yes there's always someone just educating him, saying look see how you feel after two or three floats then you're gonna find your groove especially with uh, Roganites because even Joe himself said he goes, you need to do at least three floats to find your groove then you start to go deeper
8: um, about 70 no you
7: mean how many do I have on like at one time yeah yeah two.
8: One of them
7: is just dedicated. Yeah, yeah, so the float facilitator just smashes out all the rooms in a couple of minutes and the custom connectors just there greeting people and then jumping in the chill-out room, having a tea, just moving around, just making people comfortable so we can spend time with them and at the same time learn a little bit about them. Um, Well, I've got, uh, my centres usually consist of either three tanks or four tanks. So I don't know. Some of you guys probably have five tanks or six. Who's got the most?
8: I mean, sorry. How many? How many you got?
7: Nine. Wow.
10: And then five and the second
7: How many people do you have on working for you? Two. two? Yeah.
10: I'd like yeah. to know your We're system. Our times, so we go four and five, and oh. then, uh, back at the house runs around, makes up the tanks or makes up the rooms, and in front of the house, yeah, checks them in and out. Customer service.
1: Can we uh, can we put a pin in that one? I want to get into that because I've heard of people with more float tanks with with two employees or with fewer employees than I would know how to handle. I want to learn about that, and um, but I want to stick with the marketing part for right now, and then I would love to to hear more about that because that's that's part of why I
3: should have. On the demograph thing, I know one of our largest demographs is. Um, young families or young mothers to be specific. They get no break, especially when they have multiple kids, three, four kids. It's its like they've had years without a break. So, a lot of them have kids and they go there simply just to disconnect from everything. So, that's something we focus on quite a bit.
8: Pregnancy is an interesting demographic life cycle because if, if you can catch them early, you get to be of benefit during the pregnancy and then they inevitably have to take a break and do you know, to the skeleton, being a little baby. And then, they get to have a loan time again after it. So
1: there's this whole interesting cycle. Uh, I'm curious about uh, how much money everybody has to spend on marketing. Do you just have a giant slush fund of money for marketing? Or do you are you trying to look for guerrilla marketing tactics and things that are cheaper? Who uh, who would like free marketing, cheaper marketing, You know, Facebook advertisements, that kind of stuff? Who has the money for that? Go ahead and raise your hand if that's about where you're at. And then who feels like they can in money for a campaign and build a marketing through a maybe marketing company seems like a lot fewer people that way Um, something that has stuck with me for years now does anybody here know salt and straw has anybody heard of salt and straw Um, it's a quite the tourist destination here in Portland and um, there are a few things when people come to Portland they think of voodoo donuts maybe blue star donuts um, and uh, salt and straw is one of those things they have a line around the block all the time And uh, a friend of mine was at a um, kind of like a small business uh, gathering, and the owner of Salt and Straw said, that uh, of all the checks that she writes, of every cost that she has, her marketing cost is her highest one. It's the one that she has the hardest time writing, but it means she has the most success. And so I'd be interested to know what kind of success we can have if we aren't simply doing Facebook ads, guerrilla marketing, but have real campaign managers in behind what we're doing. And maybe Floathouse, do you guys do that in-house? Or are you? Yeah,
10: so Nathan's actually our marketing manager. Nice. And so we just did a big campaign uh, for our summer sale, and uh, built a whole challenge around it. And want uh, you speak a little bit about that,
11: yeah, sure. <clears throat> Basically, just trying to get people engaged. Um, so really trying to drive the social media train as well. Um, but then also just kind of, we tried ra- radio at simultaneously, um, and then building the whole campaign was trying to uh, reach people within the yoga community. Um, get that type of you know at least four floats was the idea um, and then tied into the membership sale. Um, so yeah I mean like there's definitely something new we haven't tried it before but it seemed to, to go really
10: well. Yeah. So what we did was a float challenge and so we created a, a really good deal. It was three floats for 99 bucks and we do 90 90 minute floats. Um, if you did all three floats within the first month you get the fourth float for free and if you did that one within, the, within one month as well you get entered in for a draw to uh, a big contest to, what was the grand prize? Oh, it's a one-year unlimited yoga membership to Y-Yoga, which is a big yoga chain in Vancouver. Plus 12 floats. Plus, yeah, a year of of floats, 12 floats. So um, it was really successful beyond what we thought it was going to be. It really got people pumped up. And the whole point was to get them over the whole learning curve and accumulation effect with floating and getting them through those first three floats within a condensed period and creating a challenge around that. And people got right into it. We created these boards, their names were on it and um, you know, put stickers on and marking their, tracking their floats. And then we had a, a social media contest uh, supplement to, supplementary to that, which was really um, great for sharing hashtag why we float, um, which is something that, in terms of marketing and, and stuff like that, this is a, a campaign that we designed for the whole float industry last year. It was called hashtag why we float. And <clears throat> us and TrueRest actually put up the money to the grand prize winner to send them to Kauai, two people, and this was a North American-wide contest. And this is actually something, great time to talk to you about. We're gonna do it again, and it only really works if everyone really gets on board and pushes it at the ground level from their center, both with print in their store and on social media. Because if we can capture everyone's social media, we can get some crazy leverage with this campaign, and it's generically branded, designed for the whole uh, whole industry, and, and it's, and it's getting testimonials, so it's not you telling people why floating's so great; it's your guests telling people why floating's so great and what they get out of it, and then you reshare their posts. So it's it's ideal, um, but it takes some lead work, and, and we set it all up to you, and you just follow the step by step. And if we launch it at the same time, in numbers, then it goes viral. And uh, last year was the first year; it was decent. We got a good little mailing list around it now, and we can. Add to it and launch it even bigger. And we're going to accumulate this year. And I really encourage you people to come talk to us about it at our booth uh, this weekend. So,
12: uh, Can I add two things onto what Mike said? So, one thing with the uh, float challenge that we did was we allowed people to use floats that they had accumulated. So, we weren't just trying to get people who were new, we were trying to re engage with people who maybe have a membership and had six floats left on their account. And we're saying, if you could come in and use six of those floats that you've already paid for you can be entered in this contest. So it was really a good way of re-engaging with people who had fallen off of our radar. Um, and then just with Why We Float, there's no ownership of any of the content, just if people are, are curious about that. It's, you know, if someone in Nashville gets a really good testimonial, we can say, like, care of Nashville and, you know, tweet that out or put it up on our Facebook. So just being really transparent that there's, that there's no ownership. It's really just industry-wide.
1: Going back to the competition itself, um, did you launch that during the summer? Because similar to yoga, people come in less often, and that's just a good time to. Yeah, we typically do
10: a summer sale, Mm -hmm. um, but this was a way of doing the summer sale, but not really calling it a sale, Um, and also and creating the challenge element. And people like to be challenged. People enjoy, you know. And we so we made we did some really good video marketing with it. So very personable um, videos on social media, sent it out through email explaining what the challenge is, how it works, and why we're doing it, and the incentives behind it. And it just went really well. And then we go and pump that on social media, like, you know, boost that post, and reach tens of thousands of people. And, like, I think, how many views did that video get? Like 30, 40,000 yeah, or something? Yeah, 50, 50,000-ish. So, 50, so it's, you know, it's this was probably our biggest, and I think most well-put-together marketing campaign we've ever done, thinking of all the layers of email marketing, social media marketing, graphics for online, um, print in-house, the videos, uh, the, the posters, like having it all put together and launched really smoothly. And when you can really line things up like that, uh, it just looks really professional and polished and is typically very effective. So I was really happy with what we did. And yeah, so it's was a, basically a good campaign that we did in-house and they're not, super complicated. You just got to be organized to be on top of it and plan accordingly.
7: So I have a question. Um, how long have you been running your center for?
10: Uh, we opened in May of 2013 with the first location. So do you have
7: like memberships as well? Yes. Wouldn't the members become disgruntled? Like you if- New first-timers get this special deal, but they
10: don't? So our membership works. You get one float per month for $49, okay. extra floats of $39 per float. Yeah. For that month, they could get extra floats for $30 per float, which is even cheaper than the, the deal of $33 per float. Okay. So to encourage them to float more as well, you can float for $30. Um, or like uh, Val was saying, use your bank floats as well. So it gives them a way to like, oh, I can use these bank floats that I already have towards a contest. So, yeah. Members seem to love. They it. loved it. Yeah, they got They were our biggest supporters. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's cool. That is cool. That's a that's a great so way to so approach on it. On the end of it, we had over two hundred and no, is it three hundred? Over three hundred. Three hundred signups for this challenge, wow. and then over one hundred fifty completed the challenge nice. we' entering for the draw. So really that's good success good. rate too. So we got all these people great. re-engaged with <laughs> floating at the level that we all float at. Like <laughs> when we're floating once a week or more than that. And then we had people finish it twice. They get to feel what we feel when we float as much as we do. And that was huge. I think it really opened the door for them and just uh, you know show them float. Because a lot of people kind of get used to the one per month, one per month. And we know like floating once per month versus once per week or twice a week is dramatically different. So
1: it was really a great opportunity to, to show them that. Uh, you know, one thing that I've I don't know if racking my brain is the right word, but something that I've been thinking about for a long time is how people have people want to track. They, they want these things to motivate. They want to gamify everything. It motivates people. And I've always felt like that was counterintuitive to floating, right? It's supposed to be a, a passive experience. And so that makes a lot... Shoot, I should stop touching the table. That makes a lot of sense to uh, to gamify it without making it anything stressful or as you're just getting more of a great thing without making it... Uh, vicious competition,
10: you know. And just to jump on the one we're tracking
1: as well, I'll say this, I won't talk too much more, but <laughs> we created a,
10: a float log book, very similar to like a diving logbook. So you track every float. First all, your, you know, quantifiable parameters, what time did you float? Uh, who did you float with? What did you eat before you floated? What color was the light in your room? Did you have music? What's your intention before you float? And um, did you exercise before you float? All these like kind of parameters, They can fill it all in. And they have like you know a journaling section as well. When they complete it, we give them a little stamp. And after five floats, um, their sixth float is free if they bring in a friend for thirty-nine dollars. So it's a way of bringing people in. And people who are a little more strapped for cash, well, they get another float uh, if they're just a little bit resourceful. Um, so it's a, just that reminded me when you said tracking. So and it just and it helps bring people more intention to their floating. They're going to get more out of it by tracking it. And, you know, physically writing something down before they go for a float, they're gonna get a little bit more out of it, most likely. Is
11: the logbook a handout that gave you give you your or is this something that you're collecting from
10: them? Yeah, no, we printed it, uh, we made them, and members get it for free okay. up on sign-up or whenever they want. or we sell it for ten bucks for non-members. Yeah. Do you store it in house for them, or do they? Take uh, it they take it with them. Yeah, okay. yeah. But we probably could store it in house, but no, we they take it. We don't really have a lot of space.
1: You know, one final question is uh, Is it okay that we steal your ideas? Are you sharing this all so we can also have yeah, on yeah. summer sales and all that? It's, you know,
10: you can, we want floating to explode. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the more people that are doing it as best they can, then it's gonna just be good for everybody else, please.
0: I'd like to zero in on the um, yoga demographic uh, from the demographics and marketing perspective. That's one that we've expected to be able to link in with much more thoroughly than we've been able to, to the extent that we've even had a yoga studio as part of our center for a while, and now there's a company who shares our space with us, and they run the yoga studio themselves, which is working much better for us. But um, I like—I really like that you sort of took uh, from uh, a common yoga studio practice, the challenges in the summer. Right. Those are awesome.
10: Yeah,
0: People love those.
10: They do, yeah. That's a part of my studio, they sign up. They're full, their suits are full, in the yoga studios, and they're really popular. People like to challenge themselves.
0: Have you noticed the yoga community linking in a little more with you through that? Or what other ways have you been able to? And
10: so we got our float ambassadors at the start of this campaign as well, this was a part of the launch, to come in a little early um, and, you know, promote that they're starting their challenge now. And so they're getting these live posts from our float ambassadors. Some of those are like well-known yoga teachers and stuff like that in the community. So it's a, yeah, it was a very common thing for them to see. Like yoga studios and people who do that, they, they know what this is all about. Oh yeah, one month challenge, of course. Yeah, I get this. So they don't even know, they don't even have to be explained what it is. So yeah, I think we definitely had um, more yoga people come in for the challenge, for
8: sure. Could it be the yoga people are maybe slightly more A-type personalities and right. the challenge motivates them more than the, more than the relaxing? The, I mean, the, I the yoga studio I went to was an Ashtanga studio for three years, and that's like the most intense form of yoga. That They're would all be A-type very, yoga people. they are A-type <laughs> yoga people, and I tried to break through to them. It was like, nope, not not into it. It's too not active enough,
1: or something.
0: There are many branches, many divisions, different kinds of yoga, and I think that it probably covers the full spectrum of humans. With A-type, yeah.
1: A-type. I think I think one, it's Mike, right? I, I get Andy and Mike confused, even though they look nothing alike. But. <laughs> The idea of, and this I think is just a weakness across the industry, is word of mouth is so good for us, and so we sit back and we wait for the word of mouth to happen, and our businesses slowly grow, or they they wean, whatever it is, but um, I don't think that we're the best active engagers with our customer bases to get them in, and so that's one thing I really like is that organized, active way to get customers into the flow. Please. What you're saying there about word of mouth,
6: obviously that's really big, and that usually happens within customers but we're really active with our local chamber of commerce and also a networking group called BNI. And So every week I go to the meeting and everyone gets about a minute to talk about their business. So it just really allows you to meet other like-minded business people and then from there they have their whole network and it's everyone has a purpose to refer business. So it really helps with the word of mouth but then also when we have a competition going on or sales or anything they're kind of those spokespeople where we give them all of the stuff um, to in their so businesses and it's been really huge for us
2: we just started with our chamber of commerce and uh, we have a very large, active Chamber of Commerce. I would love to talk to you a little bit more about how to take advantage of yeah. utilizing all the tools for Chamber of Commerce. Um, some are very active. We find in some cities they are not so much. Um, going back to that, um, one thing that I love uh, about hearing all this marketing and also talking to all the different layers is when, you know, a lot of us have very small centers. Um, I know one thing that Mark and I are striving for, this is my business partner, if you if you have not met him, by the way. Um, that's, my hip, that's our little hippie, our, our shop. Hippie, who I adore and um, has helped me along in this journey. Uh, But one of the things we talked about, this year we started to put a lot more money into marketing and probably more than I felt comfortable with. I know being small, being busy, um, because it's mostly just Mark and I, we don't have a huge amount of employees. Um, It's something that we didn't put a priority on. We were afraid. We had a lot of fear around spending that money. Um, We have opened up and spent more money on marketing this year and put a lot more thought into it, looking at the different layers, actually sitting back and planning out um, the year in advance, and at least um, making sure that when we put a marketing campaign or when we do marketing, that we're making it very easy for people to respond to it. What we found in the past, one of our one of our issues has been we were very. Um, I was stressed. I had been, I don't know, y'all work probably 90 plus hours a week, um, like the rest, like all of us in here, more than likely. Um, And we weren't putting the thought into it as possible. We're like, well, why didn't this work? This should have been great. When I go back and look at it later, I realized, oh, I missed a lot of, I missed a lot of things. I didn't make it easy for them to respond to us. I didn't have, I didn't put as much thought as I should have into that marketing campaign. So what I'm finding now is I am risking a little bit more money every month with our marketing. We're working with some people outside of the the float center and we're starting to see the results from it. So um, as you grow uh, and if marketing is something that's important to you and you want to grow faster, I really think that um, spending a little bit more time on that and adding and putting a little bit more money into it and really thinking about it and planning from a, from a, looking at it from a year, uh, a year out And looking at the different layers is going to be so much more beneficial. It takes a little bit more time. It takes a lot more energy. You may start to uh, spend a little bit more than you thought you would in a marketing budget, but man, it pays off. It pays off so so well, Um, and we've got people doing it.
12: Touch base on that too. Um, We do two things, um, Jeff and I. So we. We do marketing, trying to get people to come in, but we also don't mind spending dollars on education, mm-hmm. because so many people don't know what floating is. And so we, we take money sen- uh, signing up to go to events and having a vendor booth, and we, ha- we don't have anything to sell, but we're just there with you know our iPads and signing people up for contests and with brochures and just talking about what floating is. Mm-hmm. And it may not convert people into coming in right away, but we're now getting people in the community going, I saw you at this event last mm-hmm. year, or I saw you here, and can you tell me more, and now my friend has done it. And so it's also just keeping in mind that you know marketing is great, but you're, when you market, you're marketing to people who kind of know what you know what floating is. Uh, but there's a lot of opportunity for education.
1: I completely agree with that. We've, we've had a lot of success going to or are they expos? Like, uh, are they expos? Is that what it is? Mm-hmm. Just tons of people hustling in and and just educating everybody on what that is. We do sell floats when we do that, though and I've been shocked at how people are just so excited to spend at expos, and I think you've had a very opposite experience Yes, it was the opposite. Which is really interesting
2: But, that said, you brought up a good point. We went, and it used to be crushing for me, we went to um, health fairs and expos, and people would just be like, oh, you'll never get me in that, and it was a very, very negative interaction, but what's interesting is, is a year year and a half later, those people are like oh yeah, well I went back and I heard my friend my friend went to you, and she that was a great experience. I saw you at the expo, and now all these people who saw us there who were like, oh, I'm trying to walk wide around the booth, and uh, are now coming in. Now they're friends. They're hearing it from the friends. They have that moment, that uh, interaction with us, at, even though it wasn't necessarily a, uh, a great one, they still learned about us. So now they're hearing it for the second and third time, and now they're coming in. It was totally worth it, even though at the time it felt pretty crappy for us. But now I'm seeing the benefits a year and a half later.
1: Dylan, when you're selling these floats at like vendor booths, are you offering discounted floats? Just yeah. Would you discount? yeah, we do them basically at what you would do a Groupon at. So somewhere okay. near cut in half or some kind of a package, yeah. something like that. Right on. Yeah. Maybe it's not half actually. But
0: it's, it's not quite half. It would be a, a very significant discount uh, enough to make it very attractive. And also uh, for us, Float and Massage Packages, people that helps to connect people in for us to the float experience because massage is more familiar and it sounds like a really wonderful combination.
8: I'm going to tie together marketing and education and networking all into one, which is wow. med- medical professionals. Absolutely essential to activate your community of medical professionals. They are so networked. And especially the guys that deal with pain disorders, with chronic health conditions, the things that don't have typical success with allopathic healthcare. care. Get them in there. Offer them a free float. Offer them three floats. Get them to have the full experience. Activate them, and they will bring so many people in. And then we have a lot of people who say, yeah, my doctor sent me. You know, which is... And then they asked, you yeah, you take insurance? You know, I was like, well, okay, we can help you in the first part, you, know, right. you need to the insurance. But they are an absolutely essential um, networking community for us. So try that out.
2: So this is interesting. We have found when we looked at our referrals, we have several we have a in one in particular a physician who refers to us who has never been in. We've never had contact with him, but they refer he refers so many people. Um, have you, how would you say how what's a good way to approach the medical professionals in, in to, or in order to educate?
8: Well, we started with uh, just a letter drop, so we just sent a, a letter offering a free float and explaining some of the benefits of floating out to every, every chiropractor, every uh, birthing center, every MD, every naturopath, you know, that we could figure out. We'd send them out a letter, and then um, we would call those that didn't respond a couple of months later, see if we can get through. Typically, that doesn't work as well. Uh, every now and then, I just randomly drop in to the office and see if I can catch them, but, you know, doctors having schedules that they do, that typically doesn't work either. Um, going to wellness events where there's also doctors, there's also chiropractors that have booths there can also be a really good way of getting in front of them in a a medical context. Um, so, you know, I mean, I'd say the success rate from the letter drop is maybe 30, 40%. That's significant. That's pretty good. And those that came in and floated and got it and connected with it, referred so many people to us. Mm -hmm. And there's, there's the risk side of this too. If, if you don't activate them and they don't know what floating is, their patients might ask them about floating and they're like, I don't know, that's not a thing. I, I've never even heard of it. No, don't bother with that. You know, but if they've experienced it, they'll actually be able to speak to it and maybe connect. But, oh yeah, this could actually, it might not have been awesome for me, but I understand what it is and it might be good for this patient who keeps coming back with this chronic health thing that drugs isn't working for, you know? mm-hmm. so. If I can, is there any specific information that you provide them or what kind of, what way do you educate them? Well, uh, free is usually motivating, right? You can come and experience it for free. Right? And I just try and keep it short and simple. I'm displaying some of the some of the benefits, effects on the central nervous system, um, effects on pain disorders. Um, you know. I think we included a quote from from uh, one of our floaters, you know, is working on a chronic health condition. Um, keep it short and simple. Like, don't bore them too much because they don't have much time. Just them when
6: they came in.
8: I see there's a letter in one of our trifolds. Is that?
1: Sandra, did you have something you wanted to add?
0: Yeah, I'd love to add, add to this. Um, so as, as you're thinking about reaching out to medical professionals, I encourage you all to think about what the pain points might be for medical professionals uh, who are treating people. Um, you know, what might come up in their professional lives that is difficult for them, and how might floating help with that? So a lot of the reasons um, that, that we're all here is because we see that this is incredibly powerful for people who haven't found success with a lot of other things. That's why we're here. Um, so situations like chronic pain, um, anxiety, PTSD, and uh, insomnia, and just a, sort of the general, if you if you are sitting across from a person who is suffering and you've used all your tools, and then you find another that you can offer them, if you're aware that floating could be helpful for some of those things that your tools aren't helping for, then it's an extraordinary link, and it feels really good for the medical professional to be able to offer that. So,
1: yeah. Please. Plus, that's stressed out, too. Dan, you're cut yeah. off. <laughs> 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 that was one word over.
5: <laughs> um, I I mean, targeting the doctors is great, but I think targeting nurses also, because they spend a lot of the time, they talk to the Patients, they are, you know. Um, well, have you ever heard of this or tried this? There's an institute, you know, like there's a float center across town. You know, um, just word of mouth, and uh, they're a good resource. So, how do you how do you reach the nurses? Um, well, I work with them, but uh, <laughs> um, you know, when you're sending it to the doctors' offices, you can send it to the staff, the office itself. And it doesn't have to be just addressed to the doctor, but information to the staff in the office.
2: That's true. And may I also add, um, there are often the larger hospitals have associations that help, that are geared towards um, providing extra services for their nurses, taking care of them. And you can reach out to that office group. I would start with HR and talk to them and we've had some success getting in to some of the larger hospitals that way and and reaching the nurses specifically.
11: One thing in our community, we haven't reached out to this yet, but I did a lot of research on something called a primary care network. And it's basically a network of doctors and they take a more active approach to treating people with um, things that are preventable by just lifestyle changes. So conditions that are preventable by lifestyle changes. So they're prescribing people exercise and they'll you know be in network with different yoga studios gyms whatever and they're getting people out there to just make different changes in how they're leading their lives in order to treat the symptoms of whatever they're experiencing so that's one thing i want to i want to get involved in and get into that network but just on this topic of discussion if there's anybody else that has not primary care i'm pretty sure it's a it's a it's a blanket uh that any any, any anybody could set up, I think, a doctor's network could. There oh, might be one there, so.
13: Thank you. Um, yeah, my question is sort of more about, like, the how the software works at a float center and the counting type software, but I'm going to sort of speak with it in terms of, like, a short um, story, kind of. Um, so someone that sends a float center or a volume of people like this physician or a pain treatment center or like for example my daughter's a weight trainer kind of struggling here in Portland. I mean she does okay, she's making a living, but do you give out promo codes to people or like an affiliate type code to where if they spread the word they can also get ongoing compensation like ten percent of a float or something or five percent? Is that? go on in your industry? That's kind of the question. Because it's wonderful to have people refer you. But some people might think of the float as a little bit of a competition to their own yoga studio when you've got you know, 20 yoga studios in a community. So that's kind of my question.
3: Yeah, I think a lot of people do that. Um, when we first started, we did a referral program where I think is if you referred four or five people, you'd get a free float for yourself. So that encouraged um, our ambassadors or people that were talking about floating to go out there and really get those people to come in so they could float for free. But I know there's various other ways of doing it. It's, um, but It's something that was very effective.
13: But is it how many people in this room are plugging in promo codes for other people that regularly send you business? So when that float ticket hits, the money automatically goes to their checking account. Who, who's doing that? Oh. Just a, a couple?
11: So you're, you're talking like a monetary kickback for your referrals? Yeah, it's
13: real common in a lot of industries that if people are gonna put a lot of effort and spread the word, because they're taking time out of their day because somebody's gonna say, well, what the heck is floating? You know? And so they've gotta sit there and explain it for five or 10 minutes to do halfway a good job so yeah, it's a yeah, you could call it a monetary kickback, but it's it's a referral affiliate compensation. As
5: a healthcare practitioner, I think that it might be considered unethical to oh. give people a monetary kickback. It's mm-hmm. um it is that It's right? illegal,
2: or, yeah. It's illegal in for Ill- some healthcare Ill- practitioners. for some. So that's yeah. just something to consider. Okay.
5: Okay.
0: We have a, a general referral program where any any person um, who registers online or comes into us is asked where they found out about us. And if they find out from an individual, then we input that person's name. And if that person uh, is in our system, then they automatically receive $15 of account credit to use towards a service.
13: But overall, do people feel like that that's like a monetary kickback and it's unethical, or is that like fair? I think well, it's may- fair. maybe if. if um, It'd be unethical, Something's like rare.
11: in your case, where you're dealing with healthcare yeah, practitioners. I, I people, what you're saying, though. Yeah. you know, abide to a certain code of ethics. I mean, none of us are healthcare practitioners as float professionals. Mm-hmm. We're just not. Um, yeah. But like it I mean, however, good you'd good want bad. to do a so referral good. system, yeah. like if you have a way I'm to track I'm it, I'm so good. that you can have reciprocal action and know which of your referral partners are bringing you the most. Um, the most referrals, and you can treat them the same way. So tracking it's a good way. Rewarding the people that are referred, and rewarding the people that are referrals—they're uh, referring people to you—is a good thing to do, I guess. Just to you know, stay on top of knowing where your customers are coming from. If you want to do a monetized way of
10: kicking back some things, I, mean, I don't—I don't know where there'd be a problem with that. I'd say something like that, Like, you know, a struggling yoga teacher or something like that where they could actually use the extra money, and they'd be incentivized to do it. Uh, But yeah, I think healthcare professionals would be into an ethical dilemma.
3: We have another one over here,
10: Mark. Let's let's go for first, first then we'll
3: get to So I can't
6: speak to the medical professionals. We haven't crossed that bridge yet, but we have basically little business cards, and it has on one side all of the information, hours, how to book, download our app, the other side has a spot for an expiry date, promo code $10 off. So when I go to BNI, those have that, ser- that certain promo code, and then we have that attached to our brochures at all of these businesses. So if, say someone doesn't have time to talk on it, we can still get the information, we can still track it <coughs> without them having to be like, oh, this is their website, you know, it just makes it really easy for them to refer to us. And then after they reach a certain point, then it will go towards floats because they need to experience floating to be able to sell floating too. Rather than monetary compensation.
5: Yeah, that was basically my thought is um, for any kind of business that's maybe healthcare related, you have a promo code on a brochure that says basically what floating is, how it can help you, um, $10 off, and have a promo code on it, and have it either a part of their um, information packet for the doctor's office, um, you know, like when you go, they have you know, a folder for you and information or you can have it at their front desk that people that visit the business see it and they just grab one and, and, and go with it. Um, the other idea is um, having them for races, different uh, running events, different um, activities that so you're targeting uh, the athletes and they have a different promo code on there but they always get goodie bags, they always get discounts and you can offer that to them and have it a part of their bag.
9: And if I could pull on that thread, is anybody, you talked about, you know, uh, booths that give education or or, uh, going to expos. Has anybody tried it at the end of a marathon or triathletes or any of those to kind of see? Because usually those are gonna really benefit at the end of their races. And for us, where we come from, we get a lot of cross country skiing and then we also get a lot of triathlons and marathons in the summer uh, with a huge populace uh, that would be seeking some of those between marathons and half marathons. Has anybody explored that or gotten results from any of that?
8: We had a booth at an MMA event that we sponsored that was a complete bust. had
9: mm-hmm. like two people come to the booth. But for an yeah, MMA, you're only getting, see we'd be. It just wasn't a demographic. For us, right, sort of and that you're only a getting, getting a lot of the audience versus the participants,
8: right? We got engagement from the participants, not from the audience. Then, yeah. We're hoping for the audience, but right, yeah. So
5: was this education or were you offering them Just education, it was just,
8: just being there right. and just offering information about yeah.
5: floating. I'm thinking more along the lines of giving them, you know, a discount or a free float or trying to get them to come and recover their muscles and offering them something. So.
1: Can, we get the, can we get the mic over here? Yeah.
9: I just want to say how much I love and adore all of you guys. I listen to all your podcasts and just I appreciate how much energy and love and devotion you're committing to this practice and I, I just commend you for that. That's so amazing. And I just want to touch on a couple key notes. Um, particularly in my community we have a really active uh um, Dharma Center with a number, we actually have three different branches of Buddhism get together and do insight, zen, meditation, and I think that would be a good area to market towards because they are always interested in extra, extra activities like that, um, as well as I have a few uh, Kung Fu um, martial arts um, teachers, and they're looking to expand, push past the boundaries that they have and their limitations in a float tank. From my knowledge is an excellent way to do that, so that's an area that you can promote a little extra marketing, just touch base, give them a free float, maybe promote them as a float ambassador. So,
1: and can I say, so kind of building off that and the, the idea of the financial incentive is I think, um, you know, medical moral ambiguity aside, I, I think you could potentially work out a business of doing that, but I also feel like the person you want selling your float is somebody who's inspired by getting maybe a free float or you know it, it just loves floating. I think and we're I, I said it almost as a negative earlier of word of mouth being we almost rely on that. Well it can be an incredible tool. And if you do give out a free float or if you connect with whether it's doctors, yogis, whatever it is they don't need a financial incentive is, is what we find is that if if they love it they're gonna tell people about it and um maybe if they're getting a free float monthly or something like that as, as an ambassador as, as Float house does and it's something that we've started picking up on more um they're they're gonna keep talking about it and bring people in so i don't even know that the financial incentive needs to be there if uh again if it's middle medical practice or whatever it is they they believe in that so they want their client to be be better or healthier, so they don't need the 10 bucks kickback or whatever the financial incentive is. Also, before you talk, uh, I pause about every 30 minutes to an hour to go to the restroom, but since we don't have that opportunity, (laughs) I'm just going to leave for a second. I'll be right back. So
5: familiar.
2: So while Dylan's taking a break, it is a good time to go over and visit floatconference.com. If you missed the conference, you are in luck because they are starting to put up the videos so that you don't have to miss out. If you were there, you get to relive the happy moments. And this past week, you can even check out Justin Feinstein's talk, which, by the way, there is a ton of really fantastic information in there. So listening to it once is not good enough. Head back over to FloatConference.com. Go to video. Check it out. Find some really great pearls in there that you can share with your community and educate people and get them in your tanks now. The, uh, the reason that healthcare practitioners don't, don't do um, an incentive
5: like that is because if somebody were to say, oh, you should do this, and it's for them to get money, not because they're actually interested in that person's well-being. It's just about their own monetary gain, so that's why it can be
8: can afford it, it's not what drives them. We we did the free one at the beginning just to get them in. Beyond that, I mean, it's not a motivator for them.
12: I just wanted to loop back to the athletes, um, and and so we've done a couple of events where we did uh, a cycling event, and we've done stand up paddle boarding events, and we always try to hand out gift certificates for the athletes as part of their prize. What we find is that so many of those athletes aren't locals; they're coming from other areas, and so they can't actually take advantage. Of what we're trying to offer them, but an area that we have had some some uh, success in is offering gift certificates to the volunteers of those events. So those are usually people who are you know maybe amateur cyclists and they do it on the on the weekend, but they're they're really interested in getting involved. But the athletes themselves just uh, they, you know for us if in Surrey, they're probably coming from Vancouver and maybe they go to the Vancouver location or they're coming from somewhere else, but they don't live in Surrey, so. Um, that, and that's been kind of our experience across any athletic event that we've tried to sponsor.
13: That's less of an issue if you're the only place in town.
12: Well, I guess it's just that a lot of the events that are being put on are not local events. They're to bring out national and international level athletes. And so, uh, you know, a very small percentage of those people live in town to take advantage, but the volunteers do.
6: I'm not sure if anybody introduced themselves, I was late. Masha, I'm from Seattle and I'm just opening a place in about three weeks, so I'm taking the time right now to be here with you guys and learn from the best. But I was wondering, um, marketing ideas, are, I'm sure there are many, but anybody tried working with hotels, so like large residential buildings and talking to their front desk, concierge people to see if they can recommend as one of the activities for I was,
2: yeah. Mark has done that, um, and I think you can speak to that, Mark, about how, talk how you approached, hello,
9: um, yeah, I, I've actually gone to hotels and worked with the concierge, given them all the information, and just try to, try to get them to, to send their clients to us, and then in return, of course, we offer them some free floats and get, get the people that are working within that structure of. The ones that are really talking and hanging out with the clients that are, that are coming to stay at their hotels, mm-hmm. I think it does work. Um, Nashville is booming right now, and so we probably got got to get back there and start doing more and more of it. But um, I think that's a great idea to do, um, and you will be successful with it because
1: it's a. That would be mostly one-off floats, though, right? If it's from a hotel. I'm sorry.
2: Yeah, mostly one-off. Flights. Yeah, yeah, and, but, but I don't know. But summertime, it's fantastic in summertime. Yeah. And when we're uh, slow, that's when everybody's coming to visit and take their vacations, and it, it has been the best marketing for our summertime slump. It's filled everything for up. No problem.
13: We, we are the number one destination for tourists now. at the moment. Yeah. At the moment. So what uh, trick do you have to read that? Most of your clients are, you know, that, that come in as a one-time deal anyway. Uh, half half the time. So why not
1: get them all? <laughs> Mark, where's the metric for you being the number one location? It's just Destination. Uh, I Mark? just, I just lied. I. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. So there's a few headlines here and okay. there. There's a few headlines. I, I no, I
2: actually
11: read this on. It was probably.
13: It must be Facebook true if it's the internet. Yeah. But it, it was like. Did Nashville. you still? <laughs> I, I was reading about what's his name Bronson, the guy that owns Virgin. Um, right. Bronx. Ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. he's building a hotel in
1: Nashville, and the reason he was was because Nashville has now become
2: mm. the biggest destination, a, a, big, a large tourist destination. Oh, wow. A lot of
1: people say we're the number one business. Yeah. All right, Trump
10: <laughs> <laughs> on
1: the on the referral. uh, what's been
10: successful for us at least building social media following too is reaching out to like local bloggers and stuff like that people who have that they're trying to build their following so if you're a float center that has a decent following and you can leverage that as well you can actually kind of you can create a mutually beneficial relationship where you you know maybe share floats with them and they can build their following and, and then they can talk about you and it helps build content too in a way so that's been successful for us I was just
3: going to say this entire time we've been talking about marketing. We've been talking about getting new clients. Mm. Um, now, what we know is it can talk, cost up to six times as much to get a new client through your doors. How are you engaging with people that have already flowed into your current clients? Um, there's phone callbacks, there's um, email lists, there's social media. What ways are you using to get the people that already know what's up, they already know what floating is, back into your doors? That's a really essential thing. and. I don't feel like we focused enough on, yeah, on that. Yeah, I think that's
1: great. So, um, um,
4: I would say before they leave, try to schedule them again.
1: Yeah. I think a common thing in massages is 10% off your next booking if you book today. Because as soon as you walk out the, at that door, the, the chance of rebooking is drops dramatically, like exponentially lower. But I would like to stay on this topic. Um, and uh, I, I know Float House, that, that is something that they did was yeah, the existing clients yeah. getting them back in. I was was going to say
9: something completely different.
1: So, Um, so on that, uh, after people come in and say they have a really good experience, um, and maybe they'll ask how often should I float, how do you guys respond to that? Because that kind of sets a standard for for Mm -hmm. returning clients. I usually
3: say. I'm
1: sure there's different
10: demographics you might have different recommendations for. So,
3: I usually say it's, it's what you want to get out of it. It's much like a gym. Um, the more you go to the gym, the more you get out of it. We have people that float three times a week. We have people that float once a week. We have people float once a month. It's, it's truly about your intention and what your end goal is. And as you get to know your customer and build that relationship, you can target that a little more. And I find building that relationship with your customer, calling them by name, engaging with them, taking notes on them is, is very powerful when you try to, you know, show them that this is more of a practice than just something you try a few times.
5: Getting
11: them past that 3 help. hump. They have to see for themselves that their experience is, is uh, you know, cumulative. They're going to see that it's going to help them to yeah,
1: so surf Yeah, I think that's... our experience is some people just fall in love and they just they know they're going to be Coming in regularly, but more often since we have a starter pack of the, the the three float acclimation period, it's at that point that we want to touch base with them where they come to us and go like, what what's right for me? And at that point, they should probably already have some ideas. And sometimes we will reference, you know, two float a month is our most common membership, but really it's what you want to get out of it. And I think our conversation sounds very similar to Lance's over here of, of with that, what's what's right for them. Um, And would it make sense for us to take maybe five minutes just to stretch our legs, take Mm a break, use the restroom, everybody get a break. And then we can come back and talk about not just acquiring clients. Greg Griffin, everybody knows Greg Griffin. Griffin. (laughs) Griffin. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, (laughs) we're all taking a break. (laughs) Uh, uh, (laughs) Greg's uh, here, we're uh, We're done. Let's talk about client retention when we get back here. Thank you for listening. That was part one of the industry roundtable discussion from Flip Conference 2016
3: and I just want to give a big thank you to everyone who managed to schedule that round table into their day. I know it was a ton of fun. It was cool seeing all those faces and people I've met over the years and flow facilitators in one room. And, uh, I look forward to doing that again next year for sure. And hopefully we can, hopefully there's some more round tables that pop up throughout the year, but, uh, Yeah, I know that Amy also had a good time there. She was full of smiles the whole day. That was actually the second day I ever met Amy. So, in person. (laughs) Crazy, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah.
2: And I would like to also thank everyone for being so open with the information and for sharing so much good stuff. I know that I learned, I walked away with a lot of new information. I learned so much that day. Everyone was very generous with their numbers, with their information. So, thank you all so much for making it such a stellar uh, way to start off.
1: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Such such genuine questions and then such genuine answers from everybody too. I don't think anybody was holding back with their answers. So yeah, thanks for that, everybody. And uh, stay tuned for next week's episode. We're going to play the second half of that. There's more good marketing information in there. And then we bounce off to a few other topics as well that we'll get to next week. Uh, Thanks for listening. Uh, Let's see here. As always, Facebook, Art of the Float, Twitter and Instagram, artofthefloat.com. And uh, just remember, there's an infinite amount to find in the presence of nothing. So spend some time there. We'll see you next week. You're
0: listening to Art of the Float.